Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 91-98. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down-to-Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. The Second Coming of the Lord. Matthew's Gospel. In the Old Testament the coming of the Lord Jesus is very clearly predicted in many of the prophetic writings. Often, the sufferings of Christ, and the glory that should follow, are found closely entwined. So that it is not to be wondered at that the prophets could not understand the things that they had written concerning the promised Messiah, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 to 12. How very different it is now, for the Lord Jesus has come, and so much of what was written concerning him has been fulfilled, so that we can understand the writings of the Old Testament, being able by the Spirit of God, to distinguish between what has been fulfilled, and what remains to be fulfilled at the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Moreover, we also have the plain teaching of the Lord regarding what will take place when he comes again, and it is this that we can consider in Matthew's Gospel. The preaching of the kingdom. Having given his disciples power over unclean spirits, and to heal all manner of sickness and disease, the Lord commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew chapter 10 verses 1 to 6. Preaching and healing marked their testimony to him who sent them, while they were to expect tribulation and persecution, being hated of all men for the sake of Christ their master. Although the testimony of the disciples began immediately, it was one which was to continue, even if it might be interrupted for a season, for the Lord said to them, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel, till the Son of Man be come, Matthew chapter 10 verse 23. While this testimony is given to the cities of Israel in the last days, there will be a testimony to the Gentiles also at the same time, even as the Lord said in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. These two scriptures clearly show the preaching in the land of Israel and the preaching to all nations, distinguished, yet going on at the same time, just before the Lord Jesus comes to take the kingdom. The Son of Man in his kingdom. The transfiguration recorded in the opening verses of Matthew chapter 17 are interpreted for us in the words of the Lord in the last verse of the previous chapter, There be some standing here, which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The supreme and personal glory of Jesus, the Son of Man, was seen by the disciples when, his face did shine as the sun, and the glory of his kingdom was in evidence in his raiment white as the light. In his humiliation, his visage was so marred more than any man, but, in the day of his kingdom, his visage will be resplendent in a glory that displays him as the Supreme One. With the Son of Man were Moses and Elias, for in the coming day there will be heavenly saints with Christ, sharing his kingdom. Some, like Moses, who tasted death, will be raised from the dead, having their part in the first resurrection in order to be with the Lord in his glory. Others, like Elias, will not taste of death, but will be raptured to heaven, not being unclothed, but clothed upon, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 4, not falling asleep, but changed, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 51, and caught up together, with those who have been raised, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 15 to 17, so that we might all together be, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. The three disciples who were taken up the mount by the Lord represent the saints on earth who will have their part with Christ in the day of his glory. They will know in that day that Jesus is the King of Israel, the one who was rejected by the nation, but they will also know him as Son of Man and Son of God. Even as the Father declared from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The glory of Messiah, as found in Psalms 2 and 8, will be known to the nation of Israel in the day of his kingdom. The throne of his glory. When the rich young man, who had asked the Lord, Good Master, what good thing shall I do, that I may have eternal life, went away sorrowful, preferring his earthly treasure to treasure in heaven. 
and having no taste for following a rejected Christ, Peter said to the Lord, Behold, we have forsaken all, and followed thee, what shall we have therefore? Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 to 27. The answer of Jesus was, You which have followed me, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Having completed the great work of redemption, the Son of God is sitting upon his Father's throne, as was predicted in Psalm chapter 110, and as shown in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, but when the Lord leaves his Father's throne, he will sit upon his own throne of glory, and then those who have shared his rejection will share his glory, the twelve apostles having their own peculiar place, as promised by the Lord in Matthew chapter 19. And as shown by the Spirit of God through the seer in Revelation chapter 21 verse 14. Christ's coming and the end of the age. At the close of Matthew chapter 23 the Lord Jesus grieves over Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall not see me, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, verses 37 to 39. When the Lord spoke of the impending destruction of the temple, the disciples asked him, When shall these things be? And what is the sign of thy coming, and the completion of the age? Matthew chapter 24 verse 3. In reply the Lord tells us of the events that will take place at the close of the present age, and of his coming to usher in the age to come. These instructions are especially for the remnant of God's earthly people, who will have to pass through the tribulation of those awful times of wars, famines, pestilences and earthquakes with Antichrist ruling in the land of Israel and idolatry defiling God's temple. Some of the godly will be slain for Christ's sake, others will pass through times of persecution and hatred, but when the climax is reached, that sign of the Son of Man, will appear in heaven. And he will come for the deliverance of his own. Having brought salvation to his elect in the land, he shall send his angels to gather his elect from the four quarters of the earth. He will at that time fulfill what was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the preserved of Israel. The coming of the Lord will be as in the days of Noah, Matthew chapter 24 verses 37 to 39, some being removed in judgment, others being left to enter the renewed earth under the reign of Messiah. Though given especially for the remnant of a coming day, the divine light is also for the saints of this day. We too are looking for the coming of the Lord as Saviour, though the church will be raptured to heaven before the events of Matthew chapter 24. And the heavenly saints will be with the Lord at his coming, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19. The wise and foolish virgins. This parable speaks of the Christian profession during the time of Christ's absence. All the virgins had the lamps of testimony to indicate that they had light from God, but there were those who were mere professors, not having the oil that sustained the light. Without the possession of the Holy Spirit, testimony for God cannot be sustained. What appeared to be a real light is proved to be without divine life or power, for the lamp of profession not only deceives those around, but proves to be worthless to the one who carries it. It may be difficult in such a day as this to be absolutely sure as to whether certain professes are real or not, but the Lord knows them that are his. And the coming of the Lord will find the mere professor unprepared. Like those who went into the marriage, those outside could say, Lord, Lord, but there was no real link with him, they had not the life of Christ by the Holy Spirit, which was the only real power for testimony for him. The wise virgins may have been asleep, so that outwardly they could not be distinguished from the foolish, but when the cry came, Behold the bridegroom, the oil in their lamps made manifest that they truly belonged to him. The Parable of the Talents while the Lord is absent from the world, his saints are to be marked by waiting and watching, as in the case of the wise virgins, but they are also to be occupied in serving him. Every professing Christian takes the place of being a servant of Christ, and will be treated as such in the day of reckoning, for the Lord is surely coming, even if it be, after a long time, Matthew chapter 25 verse 19.
in our service for the Lord, we should ever have before us his coming again, valuing his reward, and the joy of his presence and blessing. Reward is not the motive for our service, but it is set before us as an encouragement. The true servant knows his master, and serves to give him pleasure, diligently seeking to do his will in devotion to him. The mere professor has wrong thoughts of Christ, not knowing his character or his heart. Perfect love has cast out fear from the heart of the one who knows divine love, but the wicked servant is afraid, or pretends to be afraid, for there is certainly no true reverential fear in him. What he says of his master is slanderous, but he is judged out of the words he utters, and condemned as a wicked and slothful servant. The servants who are faithful in a few things receive a large reward in Christ's kingdom, and enter into the joy of their Lord. The sheep and the goats. In Matthew chapter 24 the godly remnant are forewarned of what they will have to face before Christ returns to save them from the hand of their foes. And towards the end of this chapter the servants of the Lord are exhorted to watch for his coming, verses 42, 44, 46 and 50. This latter theme is continued in Matthew chapter 25 where, after giving the parable of the virgins, the Lord says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. The third section of chapter 25, beginning at verse 31, links with verse 30 of the previous chapter, where the Lord spoke of the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, Matthew chapter 25 verse 31. Now we have, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. This is the judgment of the nations living upon the earth, when the Lord sits upon the throne of his glory. The judgment of the dead is an entirely different matter, and will not take place till after the Lord's millennial reign is over. Evidently the sheep are those who have received the servants of the Lord, the messengers who have made known the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew chapter 24 verse 14, and whom the king is pleased to own as my brethren, Matthew chapter 25 verse 40. In receiving his servants, they have received him, and those who did not receive them, did not receive him. The sheep, the righteous, enter into eternal life to inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. This is earthly blessing for a people who will have their part in the peace and rest of the millennial reign of Christ. Though no doubt it will also bring to them the eternal blessings of the new earth after the present earth has passed away. Those who refuse the messengers of Christ are at once sentenced to everlasting punishment, before the dead receive their sentence at the great white throne. My Father's kingdom, in teaching his disciples to pray the Lord Jesus had instructed them to say, Our Father. Thy kingdom come, Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 10. At the institution of his memorial supper, he said to them, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom, Matthew chapter 26 verse 29. He had been speaking to them of their part with him in his kingdom, and now he speaks of their being with him, to share his joy, in his Father's kingdom. Very soon he would be taken from them, but there was held out to them in the Lord's words a bright promise. The Father's kingdom, the heavenly kingdom with all its eternal joys, would be opened to them through his death upon the cross, and there he would have his joy in the company of his own. Needless to say, this portion is not for the twelve alone, but is the blessed hope of all who shall be with Christ eternally in heaven. It is the hope, which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, Colossians chapter 1 verse 5. Coming in the clouds of heaven. Not until he heard the voice of adjuration did the Lord answer the high priest of Israel, and then he confessed who he was, the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew chapter 26 verse 63. Then the Lord added, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. It was his final word to the leaders of Israel and left them without the slightest excuse for their willful sin. 
The wide range of his glories as the Christ, the Son of God and Son of Man were presented to them, but they persisted in their rejection of him, using his own confession as the excuse for his condemnation. How awful for these men to know now that he is sitting on the right hand of power, and what a day for them when, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. It will be a day of mourning for the remnant of Israel, so graphically described in Zechariah chapter 12 verses 10 to 14, but a day of vengeance for those who, like the leaders of Israel, refused him his rights.